You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, hello. It's good to see you guys here today. Uh, how many of you guys had an exciting morning and uh, the kids uh, getting them ready today was a little bit challenging? Anybody a little bit challenging with the kids? And then how many of you had a good experience with traffic today? Anybody have traffic experience? <laughs> Man, I'm so thankful that you guys uh, decided to join us today uh, and to worship and really celebrate the greatest event in human history, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it changed everything. And so I'm I'm honored that you're here. I know some of you are first-time guests or maybe first time in a while, and so we're glad that you're here. We believe that that you belong here, and I'm, I'm glad that, that you uh, got the kids ready, you struggled through traffic, and you made your way here. And so after a busy morning, sometimes it's good just to take a really deep breath and then just kind of let it out. So can we just kind of practice that, ready? One, two, three, and let it out. Doesn't that feel good? Let's do it one more time and hold it, ready? One, two, three, hold it. I'm just kidding, let it out. <laughs> I don't want anybody passing out today. Well, today we're starting a brand new sermon series entitled Open House. And the reason why we started this series today is because we knew a lot of people uh, who don't normally come to Foothills would come to Foothills. And so uh, we wanted to spend the next seven weeks talking about what really makes Foothills Church Foothills Church. And so we're going to talk about who we are, what we believe. And for the last year, we've been narrowing down and adopting some phrases that really uh, have become our core values. And so today we're going to talk about one. For the next several weeks, we're going to take each statement uh, each week. So I hope that you'll come back next week to learn more and, and, and see how God has, has given you a purpose and how God has wired you and, and what he wants to do in your life. And, and we're going to begin to unpack that today and for the next several weeks. And, and so today, the statement that we have adopted really is kind of the foundational statement of of who we are. And and, and the statement is this, Jesus is life. I mean, we believe that Jesus is life. It's really all about the gospel. And so today I want to share the gospel and hopefully show you that there is no life apart from knowing Jesus Christ. A lot of people think that they're living today, they think that they're living a good life and they're striving to find this good life. But I've got a a secret uh, to really expose today for you. Some of you came to really wrestle with this. And the secret is that that even if you uh, appear to live this good life, you're not going to really feel meaning and purpose in life. In fact, you were created for more than just a good life. Having good, looking good, you know, doing some good. You were created for a much bigger purpose than just a good life. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 10 that he came that that we might have life and have it more abundantly or, or have it to the full. And so the fact that he said, I came to give you life, meant that apart from him, we didn't have life. And so I believe the scripture teaches us that that there is no life outside of knowing and serving Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to look at a story where Jesus actually raises a dead man from the grave. And and so we're going to see the power of Jesus in this story. And hopefully you'll see that, yeah, Jesus can raise and make any dead thing come alive in your life today. In fact, I know that there are some people in the room today who are striving to live the good life, 
And I know that as you are running that rat race and trying to find the good life apart from Jesus, there are a few things that are true about you today. And some of you are going to relate to this. And the first thing that is true is that if you're trying to live the good life apart from knowing God, there's anxiety in your life. I mean, we all kind of wrestle with anxiety, but, but some of you are, are constantly worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. You're worried about your kids and what's happening at school, and you're worried about is someone bullying them, or, and you're worried about their future, and you're worried about your marriage, and you're worried about somebody's health, and you're worried and anxious and, and just kind of running in this you know, crazy life circle spin. And when we are anxious and when we are, are filled with that anxiety, it leads to doubt in our life. And some of you might come in here today and, and you would say, you know what, I, I, I'm experiencing some doubt in my life. I, I'm doubting God. Anytime we're worried and, 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 and you know, anxious about something, we're essentially doubting God. We're, we're doubting his faithfulness. We're, we're doubting that he can do anything for us. We we doubt ourselves. We doubt whether or not we're good enough. And, and some of you are kind of in that vein today. You're either anxious or you're doubting. And doubt tends to lead to discouragement. When you're trying to live the good life, it's either anxiety, it's going to be doubt, and that's going to lead to discouragement. And you're just discouraged today. You're discouraged by your relationships, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and how that deal is working out and fleshing out. And you're just, you're just discouraged some of you are discouraged in your career. You feel like your, your career is just not going where you want it to go. Some of you are discouraged in your marriage today, and you're, you're kind of relating to that. And you know what happens in our life is we're trying to live this good life apart from God. We're going to experience some anxiety. We're going to experience doubt. Then we're going to experience discouragement in our life. And when those three things are present in your life, it's going to lead to a feeling that you're just kind of dead inside. And some of you would say, you know what, that's, that's really me today. I feel like my marriage is dead. I feel like my career is dead. I, I feel like emotionally I'm just numb. I feel like it's just, just a life that I'm just kind of waking up and going through the motions. And spiritually, I just feel dead today. And for some of you, you came here feeling these emotions and, and feeling this stress feeling dead inside. But I've got good news for you today. It doesn't have to be that way. Jesus came to bring you life. He came to give you life. He makes dead things come alive all the time, and he provides a life that can be lived to the fullest with meaning, with purpose, with community around you, with love, and with joy. And if you believe that today, can we just praise God for, for that truth and reality? Some of you needed that joy restored. You need to experience the hope of what Jesus brings because that's what Easter is all about. It's about coming alive in Christ. Jesus was crucified on the cross, but three days later, he rose from the grave. He came alive so that you and I could come alive today. And some of you are going to actually put your faith in Jesus today for the first time. I'm going to share the gospel today. You're going to connect with God maybe in a unique way you've, like you've never connected before. And at the end of this message, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond and say yes to Jesus and to give him your life. And then I'm also going to give you an opportunity to get baptized today. You know, when we read the Bible, every time someone puts their faith in Jesus and believes, they're, 
they're immediately baptized. And so, so there's really no reason why we should wait to do that. And, and, and some of you are going to go public with your faith, and you're going to take that step today, receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then getting baptized. We've done this before, and we love to experience this, but we've never actually done it in this building, so it's going to be cool to see how that kind of goes down. But We've got towels, we've got hair dryers, we've got all the stuff that you're going to need. So there's really no excuse. This is really just between you and God today. So how do we get this life? How do we get this life that Jesus promises us with this hope and purpose and meaning? We can't get it apart from him. He came to give us life. Some of you are trying to find life apart from him, and you're realizing that it's just not working. So how do we get it? Well, in the scriptures, in John chapter 11, We see a story that I think is going to help us put things into perspective. And and I think that many of you are going to relate to this story. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 11. Jesus is going to raise a dead man named Lazarus. And so uh, as we see this, he makes one of the most powerful and controversial statements that he has ever made. And we've got to respond to this statement today. We We either accept him as Lord or we deny him today. And, and, and the decision is left to us. Here's what verse 1 of chapter 11 says. It says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he lay. If you have your Bibles, just keep them open. We're going to keep looking at this story, but I just want to make a few comments. The the first thing that we see here that some of you are going to relate with is in uh, verse 9. Jesus was really good friends with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He he was good friends with them. He cared deeply about them. And in verse 3, they send word to him that that Lazarus is sick. The one you love is sick. Now, there are some people in the room today who even though it is Easter and everybody is excited, for you, it's a little difficult for you to celebrate today because someone you love is sick. Someone you love has just lost their job or their kids are are acting out at school. Someone you love, it might be you, is facing a, a serious illness. You know, I've mentioned this to um, our, our church a couple of weeks ago, and I hope you're not tired of hearing it, but it's just kind of where my heart is. And so it's just what I'm wrestling with. And I told you that my mom just uh, was diagnosed with lymphoma. It's a form of cancer, and it's, it's spread all throughout her body. She's been in the hospital for over, over two weeks. And so, you know, the doctor told us that if, if your cancer grows at a 5% rate, that's considered slow growth. And if it grows at a 10% rate, it's, it's considered fast growth. And he told us that mom's cancer was growing at a 95% rate. And it literally has just exploded and, and just, just put her down. And so we're, we're praying and we're, I know many of you are praying. And I know there are other people in our church who are, are experiencing cancer as well. Teresa Coons is going through it. And Doug Irving has just gotten a good report. And there are many, 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 many others. And so some of you can relate to this story. The one you love is sick. And what happens when someone is sick, someone that you love is going through a difficult time, is that anxiety can build in your life. And you see, anxiety kills hope. If you allow anxiety to grow in your heart and in your mind, 
that will take root. And you'll start worrying and worrying and you'll become anxious and more anxious. And, and as that happens, your hope will begin to get choked off. And eventually all hope will be lost. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, Jesus actually says it. He says, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, the clothes that you're going to wear. He says, I take care of the birds. I, I make sure they're fed. I'm certainly going to make sure that you are taken care of. He says, who can add an hour to his life by worrying? And he, he makes it clear, like, nobody can. Nobody can add any, anything positive to our life by worrying. And yet, here we are. Someone we love is sick. Someone is hurting. And we're faced with this anxiety. We're faced with this dilemma. And so, what do we do? Well, in verse 6, it says that Jesus waited two days to go and see Lazarus. Now, everyone would have expected Jesus, when he heard this, to hightail it to, to the town where Lazarus was and to heal him because they were such good friends. But we don't see that happening. What he does is he stays there for two days. Can you imagine if your spouse or your child got deathly ill and was in the hospital and you waited two days to go and see them? <laughs> I mean, no way would you wait. Why is Jesus waiting? Look, we have all kinds of promises in the Bible, and, and we cling to these promises, but what happens when you feel like God is waiting, and he hasn't answered your prayer, and you've been asking God for healing, but he hasn't brought it? You've been asking God for a friend, and he hasn't brought it. You've been asking God for a spouse, but he has not brought it, and you're struggling with this worry. And anxiety, and as we wait, that anxiety tends to grow. Some of you came here today to hear this. What is God doing when he's waiting? Well, perhaps God, before he does something for you, wants to do something in you. And so this situation that is happening is, is a result of God wanting to do something in your heart. He wants to do something in you today. He wants to do something inside your heart and your spirit before he does something for you. Now, in verses 14 and 15, he makes it even a little bit clearer. Here's what it says. Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. In other words, Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't there because you are about to see something that is going to blow your mind. I'm glad I didn't heal him before he passed away, because you're getting ready to see something on a miraculous level that's going to blow your mind, and it's going to lead you to believe. Now just listen. Wait, wait, wait. Could it be that what you're experiencing today in your circumstances, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you or that he doesn't care for you or that he has abandoned you. Perhaps God is doing exactly what he has intended to do, which is to do something in your heart and lead you to believe. And some of you are here today to take that step of faith and to believe in him. Now, he makes this statement and the disciples are like, are we sure we should go? Because we might face persecution there. They might arrest you. They're like, we're going to go. Anyway, look at what Thomas says in verse 16. It says, so Thomas, called the twin, obviously he was a twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now that's a strong statement, right? I mean, that's commitment. Let's go because 
you know, we, we might die, but we're going anywhere. Unfortunately, we don't remember Thomas for this statement. We remember Thomas for something else. What's his nickname? Doubting Thomas. Why? Well, Jesus is raised from the grave. He presents himself to the disciples, except for Thomas wasn't there. And so he goes to the room, and they're like, Jesus is alive. He came back to life. And he's like, I'm not going to believe it until I see homeboy with my own eyes. I want to see the nail prints. I want to see the scars, and then I'll believe it. And so we know him as Doubting Thomas. And I can imagine if you were Thomas and you're in heaven today, and you're like, dude, I made one bad comment, and I'm Doubting Thomas? What about John 11? I was strong. I'm not courageous, Thomas. I'm Doubting Thomas. Well, some of you can relate to that, though, because you have your doubts. Some of you are, are, are in that doubting mode right now. And here's what happens with doubt. Doubt kills your confidence. If you're doubting that God is real, if you doubt the Word of God, if you doubt that He loves you, if you're doubting whether or not Jesus is really real, and if you're doubting whether or not Jesus really does bring life, it will begin to kill your confidence. You won't have faith or, or believe in God. And then that will also bleed into your own personal confidence, because you'll, you'll, you'll begin to doubt yourself. You'll doubt God's plan for your life. You'll, you'll doubt whether or not God wants to do anything big in your life. You'll, you're, you'll doubt whether or not you're, you're loved and, and gifted, and, and you'll just begin to live that way, and eventually that doubt will choke off your faith. Now, by show of hands, I'm going to admit it today, I think we've all experienced some level of spiritual doubt. How many of you would say, hey, that's me. I have experienced some spiritual doubt in my life. By show of hands, how many of you would admit that today all over? Me, I'm up. Some of you that didn't raise your hands, you're busy polishing your halo. Um, <laughs> you finish that up, then you can join us. No, we've, we've all had our fair share of spiritual doubts. Listen to me. Doubts aren't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes God uses that doubt to grow our faith. That's exactly where God wanted you to be. And you're like, man, I'm frustrated. I wish you would just take it away. And God's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that for you. I want to do something in you. And so you're wrestling and you're struggling. And I would encourage you to ask questions. You are in a good place. This is a church where you can ask questions. And I pray that we will always have helpful answers and not, you know, quench your, your, your spirit or your appetite when you're, when you're doubting whether or not God is real or that he loves you. But here's what happens if you don't ask questions and you don't continue to pursue God. You'll begin to allow that doubt to choke off your faith. And you won't believe church is for you. And you won't believe it's important. And you'll stop attending. You won't come back. The book of James says that when you lack wisdom, ask God. Ask God. And it says he is faithful. He will, he will provide that wisdom to you. And it, it says you got to believe that he's going to answer you because you don't want to be somebody, it says, that's kind of tossed back and forth in the waves. And, and you're here one day and you're there one day. And he's like, no, 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 you need wisdom. And so that wisdom destroys that lack of, of confidence in our life. And, and God wants to give that to you today. Let's read the next few verses here. Look at verse 17 and following. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. He was dead, dead. Verse 18, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went 
and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. (laughs) They've experienced a loved one who has died. And so obviously they are experiencing discouragement. They're discouraged. People are there to console them and to lift up their spirits. Some of you can relate to this. If it's not anxiety or doubt, you walk in here today and you're experiencing discouragement. And guys, discouragement begins to kill your life. You walk in here today and you are discouraged because of your career. You are discouraged because you feel like you're, you're not leading your kids in, in, in a good way and they're, they're acting out in various ways. Listen, if you have a teenager, I, I'm praying for you right now. Like, I'm there with you. They can be discouraging, and you can, you can feel like, man, I'm, I'm, what am I doing? Like, I haven't done anything, you know, right. And, and you just walk in here discouraged. And, and, and like Mary and Martha, some of you might be experiencing some, some significant loss in your life. A relationship just ended. A loved one just uh, passed away. And so you're discouraged. And, and if you're discouraged, man, that's going to that's gonna bleed into other areas of your life. And, and as that begins to happen, it can really begin to rattle your faith. And if you're doubting, if you're experiencing discouragement, I know that you're struggling today. There's probably some college students today who came with mom and dad and, you know, it's Easter and so you're just kind of hanging with them. And, and uh, you went away to college and you grew up in church. You heard about all the Bible stories. And as you sat in class, some professor, he or, he or she started saying that Christianity is, is just for weak people. And, and uh, the Bible is uh, just filled with a bunch of myths and, and uh, Christians are, are, are idiots. And, and uh, your faith began to, to be rattled there. And, and all of these little stories that you, you know, grew up hearing just started to crumble. And so you're here today with that discouragement, with that doubt, kind of worried what do we do with this? How do we, how do we deal with this? And, and, and I know how some of us deal with it is, is we, just, we just pretend. We just like pretend everything is okay. And we just keep living our life and, and we don't think about spiritual things enough. And, and so we come to moments like this and we're like, oh man, this dude is making sense up there. And you know, we're, our spirit is kind of stirring today. And, 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 and we're so good at pretending. Like we got here today and we wore the right clothes. It's Easter. And we, we spoke the right language, right? We're in church, and so we all cleaned up our language, and, and uh, we, we talked the, the Christian language, right? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Bless Lord. Hallelujah. Happy Easter. You know, and it's like, really? Really? I mean, we talk weird. We, you know, we, we, sometimes we dress weird. I mean, Christians can be weird. Can we just admit that? We tend to be a little, little odd. But, but here's the good news. Like, God wants to give you life. In Jesus, you can find hope and freedom from all of these emotions that many of you brought into the room today. The the hurt and the pain and the discouragement that you are experiencing today. Jesus wants to bring those dead parts of your life back to life. And it starts first and foremost by placing your faith and trust and hope in Jesus. I, I love what What, uh, I think it's Martha, yeah, what Martha says in verse 21. She says, Lord, if you would have been here, if you would have been here, then it would have been okay. Then he would have lived, kind of blaming Jesus. Hey, thanks a lot, Jesus, for for the no-show, if you would have been here. In other words, if you would have done it the way that I think you would have done it, then he would have been healed and okay, as if Jesus has to be physically present there to actually, 
you know, heal Lazarus or, or to help Lazarus. And so she doesn't, she doesn't quite get it. She doesn't quite understand the fact that God's ways are higher than our ways. His, his thoughts are higher than our ways, Isaiah 55. So she doesn't get that yet, and she's acting as if God had to be here. Some of you are kind of facing that today. It's like, oh God, where are you at, man? You, you, you've got to physically do it right here, right now, or I, I just don't feel like you're here. You've got to do it the way that I want you to do it, or it's not going to work. And some of you came to hear this today, like God is delaying a response to you, but just because God is delaying his response doesn't mean that he's denying your request, right? And so as you are waiting it's not that God doesn't love you or that God doesn't care about you or that God isn't sovereign over the situation that you're facing today. Again, we go back. What is God doing in you? We always want to ask these questions. Why, God? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why not? Why did you do this? And that just leads to more anxiety, by the way. You're never going to have those questions, that, that question of why answered. Instead of asking that why question, start asking God what? What are you doing, God? What do I need to learn? Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you would believe. That you would believe that he is the son of God. That he died on the cross for your sins and that through him, he wants to make you come alive. And he calls us out today in that hope. Look at verse 22. I love Mary's response after this. So, so if you would have been here and done it my way, he would have been okay. But then she says this statement. She says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. She says, even now. Some of you came here today and you need an even now moment. I need an even now moment with my, with my mom's condition. Like even now, God, I believe and I hope I am struggling, but even now, God, I believe that you can heal her. Some of you are here today, and you need that even now moment. Even now, you're going to put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have all the answers to the questions that you have today. You're experiencing some doubt. But listen, you don't have to have it all figured out to come to Jesus today. You don't have to have all of the questions and, and, and all of the doubts answered today. What you simply have to do is come to him confessing that you are a sinner in need of his grace. And he will begin to show you things that you have never seen or heard before. And you will experience a life-transforming power that is only found in faith in Jesus Christ. I believe that. I wholeheartedly want to preach this today because I believe that Jesus doesn't just come to give us life or provide life. I believe that Jesus is life. Let's look at what he says here in this next verse. Jump down to verse 25. Jesus responds to her and he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Do you guys believe this? Do you believe this? Some of you are wrestling with that thought today and that question. You see, Jesus says, I am the resurrection. He doesn't just say, I resurrect people. He says, I am 
the resurrection. I am life. I'm not just going to give you life. I'm not just going to show you life. I am going to give you life. If you believe that, can we praise God today? Can we just cheer for what he's done for you? You've experienced this life, this power. What he does next in verses 38 to 34 is he goes to the tomb. Lazarus has been dead for four days. And he says, roll away the stone. And Martha says in the King James Version, but Lord, he stinketh. (laughs) He says, roll away the stone. And he cries out to God a prayer for the people there to hear. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man comes back to life. And he walks right out of that grave. And some of you here today need to walk out of that grave of doubt. You need to walk out of that grave of discouragement. You need to walk out of that grave of anxiety, out of the grave of your sin and hopelessness. And give your life to Jesus today and to say yes to him. Confess your sin to him. Receive him into your life and experience life like you have never experienced it before. On this Easter, I want you to remember that the same voice that called Lazarus to come out of the grave is the same voice that is calling you to come out today. Some of you ask, okay, so how do you do that? How do we, how do we get heaven? How do we come out of the grave, so to speak? How, how do we come alive? And it's really simple. It's through a relationship with Jesus. And this relationship with Jesus is possible because of the gospel. And the gospel just simply means the good news. God in his love and in his mercy did something for us that we could not do on our own. He became one of us, God in the flesh, born of a virgin. Why is the virgin birth so important? Well, because when Jesus was born, he did not inherit his sin nature from an earthly father. He inherited his divine nature from his heavenly father, which allowed him to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He died as a sacrifice for our sins. He suffered, and he looked up to heaven, and he said, Father, I did what you sent me to do. It is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. You see, it was your sin that took Jesus to the cross. It was my sin that took him to the cross. And I'm telling you today that some of you are are just stuck in discouragement. You're stuck in doubt. And what God wants to do is help you understand that it is through that sin that is leading you into these dark places. You see, Jesus died on the cross. Why? Why do you have to die? It was in this death that God was able to demonstrate both his justice, his righteousness, and his love, his grace. Because God is not... Uh, just going to forgive sin without punishment. Sin can't go unpunished. He's a righteous God. He can't just say, okay, cool, whatever. No, he's got to punish sin. And so on the cross, Jesus is taking your punishment. He was your substitute. But God is also demonstrating his love and that while we're sinners, Christ died for us so that, yeah, punishment is served, but Jesus is taking our place. It's a beautiful gospel. It's a beautiful story. It's how we experience life. And 
how we experience life to the fullest. And I'm not telling you that everything is going to be perfect and you're never going to get sick and everybody's going to love you and you're going to win the lottery and your hair's never going to fall out. And I'm not telling you all that stuff. But what I am telling you today is that when you face these life circumstances that, that put your life kind of in a tailspin, what he'll do is he'll give you the grace and the love and the wisdom and the power that will sustain you through those circumstances. And he'll continue to turn your mind away from your circumstances and upon him, giving you that hope and that power that you so desperately need to face any situation that you're facing today. Jesus is life. The tomb is empty. And he offers you life today. You know, one of our dear friends, um, Don Lee, recently passed away. Don Lee grew up in Laos, country right next to Vietnam. And uh, as a young boy, missionaries from America were, were sent to Laos and in the middle of the jungle shared the gospel with, with Don and, 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 and he prayed to receive Christ. God changed his life. And then the Vietnam War started and uh, all these Americans were now in his country. And, and he began to serve the American army uh, during the war. And what his job was as a young man was when a pilot was shot down in the middle of the jungle. It was his job to lead the army through the jungle to find these shot down pilots. I mean, it was, he's, he's legit, right? I mean, some incredible stories of how God used him. And God uh, used that whole experience to, to bring him to the States. He got his education and his wife as well. And he raised the family here and, and uh, found himself living in, in this area. And when our church started, he was one of the first families and one of the first guys in our church. And he immediately began to serve. And uh, his wife, his kids were involved and just doing amazing things. And a couple of years ago, he was diagnosed with cancer and started a really long journey of, of battling this disease. And he would, get, he would get better for a while, but then it would come back and he would go back to the hospital. And it was really just a, a roller coaster experience. But through it all, man, he, his faith was strong and he was just... It was just so encouraging to see how he faced this difficulty. And in his last uh, weeks, as he was in the hospital and the doctors really couldn't do any more for him, I would go and I would visit and I would pray with him and I would read scripture. And I remember going one time and, and uh, I, I found him in his suit. He was, he was in a suit in, in the hospital bed. And I was like, what's up with the suit? And his wife said, he wanted to put on his, his best clothes so that when he met Jesus, he looked good. <laughs> and I thought that was really sweet. And, and uh, we prayed and read scripture. And as always, I would say, I'll see you. I'll see you next time. And uh, he, he would always, okay, okay, okay. And, but this time when I said, Don, I'll see you next time, he took his hand and he pointed to the sky. He could barely open his eyes because his strength and energy was so far gone. And he pointed to the sky and he looked at me and he whispered, I'll see you in heaven. I'll see you in heaven. And he died the next day. I don't understand why cancer happens. I don't understand why good people like Don have to face challenging situations like that. I don't know why you have to face some of the struggles that you're facing. But I do know that we serve a powerful God who has a plan and a purpose for every single situation that you and I are facing today. And Don was able to give God the glory through everything that he faced. And the same God who called Don to saving faith 
in the middle of the jungle is the same God that called him home when he passed away. It's the same God that called Lazarus out of the grave. And it's the same voice that calls you to come out of your grave today. And some of you came here in this moment for this time to experience the power of God's saving grace. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. And please, no one get up out of the room or leave at this time. This is a, a very powerful moment here. I believe that the Spirit of God is moving in this place. Someone wants to give their life to Jesus today. I believe that some of you are, are, are just really connecting with God right now. He's speaking to your heart. Some of you know today that if you were to die today, like you don't know what your destiny is. Unlike Don, you, you don't have that confidence. And so you're struggling today. And I just wonder, is there anyone in the room, no one looking around, and you just kind of indicate by lifting up your hand today and just say, you know what, Trent, I think that I need to give my life to Jesus today. I think I want to I do that. Anybody at all, just lift up your hand and put it down. I see you, ma'am. I see you guys in the stadium seating up here, close. See you over here, young man. Hands all over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is a, is a prayer that will help you make that connection with God. It's you confessing that you're a sinner, and it's you putting your faith and trust in Jesus. And I believe that God will save you as a result. Just simply say this if you want to give your life to Jesus. Just say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross to take my place. And he rose from the grave. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I want to walk out of that grave I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, no one else looking around, those that prayed that prayer, would you look up here at me? I want to make eye contact with you. Anybody over here just pray that prayer? Anybody up in the balcony? I see several faces up in the stadium. I see you guys. Praise God. Anybody in the middle stadium? I see some faces. Anybody here in the center? I see you, young man. Anybody over here to my left? I see you, ma'am. I see you, young man. Praise God. Here's what I want to invite you to do. Keep looking up here at me. I'm going to pray. After I pray a short prayer, we're all going to stand up. And as we stand up, instead of you just staying in your seat, I want you to go to the center aisles. And I want to encourage you to get baptized today. As I mentioned earlier, in the scripture, people put their faith and trust in Jesus and then they're baptized. There's no reason to wait. Some of you are like, man, I, I accepted Christ a year ago or a week ago and I've not been baptized. I want to encourage you to get up out of your seat as well in just a minute. And as we all stand, you come to the center aisles and then you're going to exit to the back door to my right, your left. Our section leaders are going to stand and kind of direct you now. And they're wearing light blue t-shirts. Guys, gals, if you will, you can go ahead and stand up. And those who are, are making this decision today, you can see them today. They're going to point you in the right direction and walk with you. Man, God's doing something big in your life. Don't, don't miss it. Don't miss this opportunity. Some of you didn't expect this today, but 
But that's why I love serving God, because you never know what he's going to do. And he blows our minds as we faithfully serve him. So as I pray, we'll stand. If you want a, a friend to go with you, just say, hey, man, go with me, please. If you want your mom or dad to go with you, just say, please go with me. And they'll, they'll walk with you and help you. And everybody in the room that wants to see you, they're going to have time to get out there and watch you. It's going to be on the screens, all that cool stuff. Father, I thank you for those that you just saved in this room. And I want to pray and ask God that as we stand to our feet, that we will respond in love and in, and in hope as we walk out of our grave of, 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 of sin, that you are saving us and you are giving us a hope and a future and life to the fullest. Thank you, God, for new life together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.